Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The NBA season is here, nine months off the court, but the Bulls are back, and so is Will Purdue. We preview it all, and at the end, that's right, I'm looking at a trade to make the Bulls interesting. Perhaps not necessarily better, but a lot more interesting. We got it all for you on this NBA preview. The Windy City Podcast with Will Purdue starts right now. Showtime. Will Purdue. First field goal for the big fella. At the other end, he comes down and gets the rebound. Will Purdue with the for the slam. The man in the middle from Vanderbilt. Seven foot Will Purdue. There is no one better to preview the 2021 championship season of your Chicago Bulls. Sure you don't want to, uh, hey, not, nothing personal. You might want to start that over. <laughs> I, I don't think that we need to start it over. I mean, when I walk down the streets, Michigan Avenue, wherever in the city, the amount of people that are running up to me screaming Bulls basketball is just incredible. Well, that is true. But you started out as a championship season. I think that, you know, there is excitement. There is enthusiasm. Uh, things are definitely looking in the right direction. But let's just be honest here. I mean, it's they haven't played in nine and a half months. They have a new coach, a new offense, a new defense. Um, I, I, they haven't necessarily used this word publicly, but I think they will be better. Our jurist Karnasova said there's too much talent on this team to only have 22 wins. And they pretty much have the same team that they had last year. So there haven't been a significant amount of changes like uh, their first opponent, the Atlanta Hawks, who has nine new members. So I think they do expect them to win more games, but I really think it's more about evaluation, and it's more about what do we really have. I think this front office has done a significant amount of uh, evaluation already as far as on film. Now they want to see these guys in person. Now they want to continue to watch these guys games that actually count now. And they want to see how they handle adversity, to see how they compete, to see how they respond to the Lakers and the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics and the Clippers team. Excuse me, teams that are obviously better than they are. But you can't step on the floor, you know, with a little bit of a fear because of that. You just go out and compete and you see what happens. Okay, let me rewind back. I think the Bulls are terrible. I think they have no good players. I think they're going to win – what are we? We're playing what? Seventy-two games this year. Uh, Twenty-eight wins. Well, that's what. That's which is more than twenty-two or whatever. But who? I like Zach Levine. He's at best though your third best player, right? I like Kobe White, 
and I think he should be running the team, but I'm not sure he can run a team. I like Patrick Williams. I think that's a decent, uh, you know, solid risk. Looks like, I mean, already looks like he's 25 years old and not 19. And I like Wendell, but, you know, you they're, they're missing a key driving force that's actually going to help them win games. I mean, maybe they'll beat some of the bad teams, but I can't see that. And maybe they'll jump up on a, on a night and they'll shoot really well and can knock off a tired Lakers team. But other than that, I mean, I don't see this team lining up with most teams in the league and winning basketball games. Am I missing something? No, no, you're not. But I think that the word terrible is a little strong <laughs> because it's, what is the most dangerous word in sports? Potential. And that's what can create a lot of uh, angst because of potential. And as you just talked about, Zach Levine, I think he's an all-star. I know some people will kind of scoff at that, but I think he has the talent to be an all-star. We, he's already got the talent on the offensive end of the floor. If he focuses on defense, and I think defense is about desire and determination, and really truly wants to be better on defense, which he says he does, and which he says he's been working on, then he will be uh, an all-star, okay? Kobe, I don't know if he's a point guard either because I think then you have to change his mindset. His mindset is a score. Go back and look at the preseason. I think it was the Houston game in the third quarter, or maybe it was the Oklahoma City game in the third quarter. He dropped 18 points. That's his mentality. So it's kind of like you're trying to break him down a little bit to help build him back up. Uh, Lowry Markinen has, has been inconsistent, uh, has been injured, but he has that potential, and that's the scary part. Um, Wendell Carter, we don't know what he is. He's now become a facilitator in the new offense. Otto Porter, we know what he is, but he's been hurt a lot. I mean, we can go down the list, and there's pros and cons of each thing, but the thing we have not seen is that drive and determination, game in and game out. You know, and I think a lot of that had had to do with, you know, the players kind of lost the respect and the trust in the previous coaching staff. And that really hurt how they play. It hurt their approach. It hurt their mentality. So now they've replaced the front office. They've replaced the coach and his staff. So now it's on the players. The players are the ones that the spotlight is going to be on this year. And more times than not, when you put players in that position, they have a tendency to succeed. Now, you just said 28 games. I think Vegas has it at 29 and a half. I, I don't – I mean, I, that's a solid number. I mean, I think it's it, – best case scenario to me is low 30s. That's best case. And that's with everybody staying healthy, which they haven't been able to do. That's what this – them figuring out defensively as they change the scheme – and also figuring out offensively that, you know, passes lead to assists, which lead to buckets. And one of the things that Billy Donovan talked about in the preseason was is this team has not had it, has not responded to adversity in their preseason games. They have a tendency to go into a shell. And they have a tendency to try to do it by themselves. And as you just pointed out, none of these players on this team is that good to where they can carry a team for a quarter or a half. A lot of other teams have that player. This team does not. I was reading in the Tribune today, and I'm, I'm going back. It wasn't written today, but uh, this I, it, the, this line jump, jumped out at me. 
And, and Jamal Collier is doing an excellent job covering as KC, of course, moving over to uh, your place of employment, NBC Sports Chicago, where he continues to dominate as well. But let me just read this one to you, Will. Kobe White and Zach Levine are going to make a dynamic backcourt pairing. And with their scoring ability, the duo could be one of the most fun and prolific duos in the league on certain nights. And again, Jamal does a great job. But I do wonder, like, was this the eggnog talking here? I mean, that is a strong statement there. Dynamic backcourt pairing and, and prolific duos in the league. Whoa. I mean, if that's if that actually turns out to be true the bulls will be more than 28 wins they might even be well over 500 but doesn't that does that not reek is a little too tall that is a tall order but i think the key in that particular sentence or paragraph is on given nights (laughs) okay i agree with that part of the statement (laughs) okay and again i'll go back to they have the potential to be dynamic but the problem is, what is Kobe's weakness and what is Zach's weakness? Right. Neither of them it's can guard there. anyone. Right? Right. And one of the things that I was actually reviewing today as we're recording this, their inability to kind of, you know, I, I don't expect them to be lockdown defenders, but I was watch, going back and watching the film from their four preseason games. And let's start with Kobe. John Wall was consistently getting by him. Now, people were like, hey, that's John Wall. I'm like, exactly. But yet, what I also saw was a slower, solid veteran player in George Hill from Oklahoma City was creating problems for Kobe. I also saw Shea Gilgis-Alexander was creating problems for Kobe. So he's got to continue to work on his perimeter defense and his ability. I'm not saying stop guys. I'm saying stay in front of guys, slow down guys. Push them towards the help. You got to give up something. Guys are just really good in the NBA. Zach himself has had the same problems. You know, the inability to stay with stay in front of guys consistently. But that's also the key word: consistency on both ends of the floor. Zach, you know, he uh, I forgot what game it was. I was watching. I think it was the the second Houston game. He went on a, a streak where he scored eleven straight. But then all of a sudden he comes down and takes two bad shots. I think his shot selection has to continue to get better. And I know some people will be like, well, man, you're, you're really getting specific. You're really, uh, you know, you're really kind of breaking these guys down. Well, because that's what you got to do. You got to do these things to make a determination on what you really have. I mean, you can't have a team with a bunch of guys that are, you know, full of potential because potential will get you fired. It'll get you a lot of losses you got to figure out, and that's why they brought in Billy Donovan, how to develop this potential, how to develop these players, how to develop them as, as a unit, as a cohesive unit. And that's what you know, Jim Boylan un- unfortunately failed to do. So I think that, again, we made a step forward with the addition of Billy Donovan, and that's a very important addition, Mo Cheeks. But I think at the same time, we have to kind of pump the brakes a little bit when people are talking about wins and losses because of the fact that they don't know what they have. They only had four live practices, that's my understanding, going into the four preseason games. And now here we are, boom. You know, the the Atlanta Hawks is their first game. And then the Atlanta Hawks is a, a Golden State team that still has Steph Curry and, and 
Kelly Oubre, and, and, you know, whether Draymond Green will play or not, I don't know. An Indiana Pacers team that I think is, you know, still better than them on paper. And the East as a whole, in my opinion, has gotten better with, with you know, Charlotte getting better, with Washington getting better. Milwaukee. As you just pointed out, there's only two teams at the present moment, two teams that I can guarantee you that the Chicago Bulls are better than, and that's the Cleveland Cavaliers and the New York Knicks. And I'm, I'm not – I'm just talking about in the Eastern Conference. I think that when you start looking at the Eastern Conference as a whole, you got to say Detroit, Washington, Charlotte, and Chicago are probably all on the same level. But what does that mean? That means that most likely against those teams, you know, you go 500. So then you have 10 other teams, eight, nine other teams that are better than the Bulls. So that's going to be, you know, they're going to struggle. They're going to be tested every night. Before I ask you a Billy Donovan question, I think you'll enjoy this because you, you mentioned Mo Cheeks. So I'm going to give you a 10-year-old Carm story, Will. You know, <laughs> as, as you remember at Old Chicago Stadium, when you guys would walk off the court, you would go by the fans on the back end of the court before you would go down the steps to the locker room. That and, is correct. And so as a kid, security was a little more lax back in 1983 and – even a little bit after that. but So I would walk down from my seats in the mezzanine, sneak by the usher in the box seats, walk up to the hockey boards, hop over the hockey boards. Nobody was going to mess with a 10-year-old kid. And, and then I would run to the end because I'd want to get a high five from Michael or even before Michael, the Bulls players coming off the court. Well, I got confused one of these times that I went down there and I went to the visitor's end. So here come one of the the Philadelphia 676ers walking off the court with Mo Cheeks. Now, he's not the crux of the story, though. Moses Malone is walking towards me, Will. And, you know, I'm 10, and I'm, I, you know, what am I, four foot one, and, and I, maybe, I, not, maybe not even. And he was the biggest person I'd ever seen in my life, and he's undoing his wrist uh, tape, and sweat's pouring off, and it's like, I mean, he literally, like, and his name was Moses. Like, I thought God was walking right at me. Like, I had, <laughs> I, I had, I had never seen anything like that. Do you have a Mo Malone story? Because you played against him right at the back end of his career, but he was, uh, that was the biggest guy. That was my first introduction to a, a true big man like yourself. Yes. You had to be very careful with Moses Malone because it, 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 it literally said this in the Moses Malone scouting report when I came into the league. Be careful. He might intentionally miss shots to get offensive rebounds for putbacks. So always be aware. <laughs> he did. He'd, he'd pad those rebounding stats if he could. Uh, one of the great big men of all time, by the way, RIP Mo Malone, no longer with us. But uh, but back to today, just you know, a little calm story on the old uh, podcast here. But did they make the right hire in, Bill, in Billy Donovan? Did you – appreciate his work in OKC, and I guess we can go all the way back to Florida. Do you like the hire? I, I really do. I mean, it's just, you know, when I sit there and I think about what we've been looking for, you know, for the last couple of years is development, right? Meaning a player gets a little bit better every year. Sometimes they take monumental leaps, but at least they get better every year. And we start asking ourselves, you know, have we seen that with Lowry Markin? I don't think so. Have we seen that with Wendell Carter Jr.? I don't think so. Now, with both these guys, you could say injuries have to be, uh, you know, 
uh, considered. But at the same time, when they have played, have we, have we looked at it and said, you know, they're getting better. I know a lot of people want to say that maybe Lowry's regressed a little bit. I don't know if I would go that far, but what you're not see, what you don't want to see is lateral moves. You know, you want to see guys get better. And I know, and one of the things that Coach Newton, who I used to play for at Vanderbilt, used to talk about: you never stay the same. You either get worse or you get better. And basically, the comment was, you know, if you don't work on getting better, the other guys are going to get better. And then it looks like you're actually worse than you really are. So, yes, injuries probably have a little bit to do with it, but also I think a lack of faith and trust in the, in the past coaching staff has hindered the development of these guys. So what do you do? You go out and you get a guy who has a history of developing players at both the college level and at the NBA level. I mean, look at that team. I understand he had Chris Paul in Oklahoma City. But look at the talent on that team compared to the talent on the Bulls team. And you could say there's a lot of similarities, and some people may be like, oh, hold on a minute. Yeah, no, we don't have a Steven Adams. But I'm, and, and I would take Shea Gilgis-Alexander as, as a possible uh, future all-star as well, just, but just like Jack. But nobody expected that team to do what they did as far as be as good as they were, especially in the Western Conference. So he has the credentials that they're looking for. So that's what I've talked about earlier on in the beginning of the podcast. You've got a coach that has a history of developing players. We've clamored for more development. We haven't seen the development. We haven't seen this team improve. We've seen them kind of stay at, stay the same, right? So now you have that guy. So, again, now the pressure, all these boxes have been checked. So now the, the, the pressure is on. The, the Bulls players, meaning, okay, we went out and got a development guy. We got a nice staff. You have all these resources right at your fingertips. It's your responsibility to use them. But let's be honest here, Garm. At the end of the day, it's the responsibility of the players to get better. Do they want to get better? Are they willing to make a sacrifice to get better? Are they willing to put in the time? Because at this point now, the last couple of years, the Bulls had something that the players had something to hide behind, meaning, well, Fred Hoiberg wasn't necessarily the right guy. Jim Boylan wasn't necessarily the right guy. So the players, for the most part, got a pass. Well, all those things have been eliminated from the, from the equation. So X is the players. So now they have to respond. And I think that, quite honestly, Arturis and Mark Eversley sent a huge message to not only Lowry Marketing, but also to the rest of the team. You guys are going to be judged at how you perform this year, and future contracts will be dependent on how you perform this year. And I have no problem with what they did with Lowry. They basically made an offer to what they felt his value was. His agent and Lowry disagreed, so they didn't make it. They didn't come to a, a conclusion. So at the end of the day, if he goes out and plays well, they're probably going to have to pay him more money. But you know what? Then he's earned it. Then he's proved it. And you're going to have to overpay, but you've also then paid for performance. Right. And supposedly there was a significant gap in the finances. It's not like the Jimmy Butler thing where at that time I think the Bulls were offering 44 and Butler wanted 52. And I'm thinking at the time, what's the downside here? Not much. Uh, I mean, rather, what's the upside here for you? Huge. What's the downside? Well, a lot of a lot of dough, about $50 million. So they blew that one. Um and I, I just don't think that Lowry's going to take off like that. That's just me. And 
you know, when I was writing down my questions for for you today, Will, I have like seven Lowry marketing uh, questions, which which <laughs> which you you just you just nailed the would you sign him long term? Uh, but let me get into a couple others here. Number one, let's just start at the top. Do you think he can play? Because I'm not sure he can. He's not an elite. Here's here's why I'm asking the question. What do you mean he can't play? Well, he's not an elite knockdown shooter. So, I mean, not that not that he can't hit it, but he's not, you know, he's certainly not Dirk out there. And he's not a give it to him in the post. He's going to get you buckets or get a double team and create options for anyone else. So where is his points actually going to come from? And they, everyone talks about, well, we got to have him out on the move and, 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 you know, pick and roll, whatever. Yeah, okay, but it's still not that easy just to create that for him when he doesn't have a real go-to spot that you can count on. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Because what we don't know is who is – that's the thing. You just hit it on the head. We don't know who he is. Is he a three-point shooter? Is he a, a, a pick-and-pop guy? Is he a pick-and-roll guy? You know, he hasn't shown us uh, the stability and strength to be a banger down in the post. So we're still asking ourselves, what is he? What You know, I, I think he is a stretch four. I think he is a guy that can shoot the three. He's definitely a threat, but he doesn't shoot it well enough to where, you know, he, sh- he shouldn't be shooting, you know, 50 to 60% of his shots should not be threes. Right. Um, I think, unfortunately, they had him out on the perimeter way too much last season. I didn't think that played to his strength. I think you're right. People have been talking about you got to get him on the move. One thing that Billy Donovan has been doing is running a lot of four or five screens with him handling the ball with Wendell Carter, making teams make a choice. Because I think his strength is his ability to put the ball on the deck and attack the rim. And when I say attack the rim, I don't mean necessarily finish with authority and dunk over people. We've seen him do that, but not consistently. But I think it's more put the ball on the deck, get to the rim, use his body to finish with the left. Or use his body meaning – you know, the old saying is there's a defender, there's your body, and there's the ball. You know, then finish with the right. Maybe get contact, get to the free. You know, I don't think he gets to the free throw line a lot. There's a lot of things, you know, that he has to prove. What I don't like is when, you know, they run some offense for him and he, you know, his first three or four shots are threes. Well, he's trying to get the three going tonight. How about we just get his shot going? Meaning, you know, get him on the move, get him on the roll, knock down the mid-range game. You know what I really like that he's strong at that he showed us early in his career is attacking with the left hand and then planting that left foot and then kind of rising up and shooting that, don't take this the wrong way, shooting that Dirk Nowitzki one-legged right-handed shot off the backboard on the left side or the right side. That's just hard to defend. And I'd like to see him do more of that. So it's almost like he's having to hit the reset button in the sense that, you know, we got to break him down a little bit to kind of break him, to build him back up and, and determine what his strengths are. And that's, you're asking a lot of a guy that is now under the microscope because he doesn't have a, a contract. He's not, listen, he's not only playing for the Bulls this year, he's playing for 29 other teams because he's now playing for that next contract. So we'll see how he responds to that adversity. We'll see how he responds you know, to that microscope, to having that uh, X on his back as far as, you know, everybody's going to come into the game being being like, keep an eye on Lowry. 
you know, this is a contract year. He's got a lot to prove. He's going to be ready to play tonight. But that's the other thing. I think he is an NBA player. What I can't sit here and, and give you a good solid answer on is at what level. And what I don't know, because listen, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not, we definitely won't be able to be around the players this year. Because what I, and, and I, you know, I'm not sitting here saying that he doesn't. I'm just saying I don't know. What I don't know is, is he truly loved the game of basketball? And that's, that's what I don't know. And again, let me be very clear. I'm not saying that he doesn't. I'm just, that's one of the questions I have, you know, because it's just, I don't know that. I know Zach Levine loves the game of basketball. I know Kobe White loves the game of basketball. Unfortunately, because of the inconsistencies in the time that Lowry has been here, I just kind of, I feel myself as I watch game after game after game, internally asking the question, does he really love basketball? And he may, but because of the inconsistencies, because of the injuries, because of the, the ups and downs, even when he has been playing, I just, I don't have an answer. I love the beginning part, especially with his strength. I completely agree is on the bounce and his creativity to get his shots off in the lane, the one legged stuff. He, he has a creativity to him that is intoxicating at times. The, whether he loves hoop or not, here's a totally unfair comment by me, Will. When he says that he loves Chicago and he still wants to be in Chicago, I'm looking at him cross-eyed. What do you mean you love it here? It sucked while you've been here. You guys haven't won. You played for dysfunctional coaches. They haven't used you right, in theory at least. If I'm you, I'm looking around. Uh, you know, I, but to me, then, like the loving basketball part, maybe you're just too comfortable here. Like I don't know. I I, I hear that comment. I, it's just kind of surprised. Really, you love it here? I don't. I I guess, but I, I, you know, I, I, it hasn't gone that well. I would think you might actually be interested in going somewhere else where you could be used better. Well, here's the thing, and why you hear that comment. Players want to succeed for the organization that drafted them. They, they were on a whole, they really do. And yes, when you look at the time he's been here, it's, it, it's, it, it has not gone well. He's had his moments and that's why we sit here and we keep wanting more. We, we think we, you know, he can do this and that because we've seen glimpses of it and we're like, damn, you know, you've seen that game where he's had 28 and 14, but yet we haven't seen that consistency. And, you know, I think that like any player, like when I was here, I wanted to succeed for the Bulls organization and the fans. I wanted, you know, I really wanted to make things work. But I will say this, as you just talked about, when I got traded for Dennis Rodman, I was not happy. I liked Chicago. I knew what was coming. But eventually when I adapted to San Antonio, I really liked San Antonio too, especially in the wintertime when it was a lot warmer down in San Antonio than it was in Chicago. So it's just, it's one of those things, you know, if, Things don't work out for him here. He'll go somewhere else, and he'll adapt. Well, it sucked for you because you you were just starting to get to play and start, and now Michael's back. I mean, so 
that was just bad timing for you and your career because you were actually getting an opportunity at that point. But if you had said, even when the Bulls were winning in 91 and 92, hey, I want to go somewhere else so I can get more time. I'm sick of you know playing behind Bill Cartwright and battling it out with Scott Williams and Stacey King for minutes. I would have understood. I mean, winning's cool, but you want to play and you want to develop, at the, I, I would think, more, right? Yeah, and that's kind of where you know it ended up being that trade for me actually was probably one of the better things that happened in my career because yeah. what happened? I went to San Antonio, and one of the first, you know, I, my first meeting with Greg Popovich, who was the general manager at the time, sat me down and he says, "Take everything you've done in Chicago and throw it out the window." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> he goes, "You have four weeks in eight games." meaning you had the four weeks of the preseason, all the practices and the eight preseason games to prove to us what you can do. We know and have an idea of who you are and what you can do, what your strengths and weaknesses are. But if there are other things that you think you can do, if you think you, you can shoot the three, then shoot the damn three in the preseason. If you think you can put it on the deck and attack the rim, then do it. But you have four weeks and eight games to prove to us what you can do. And then we'll sit down after that time frame and make a new evaluation and say, okay, this is what you can and can't do. This is where you think we think you can help the team. And this is how you fit into the rotation. And I had never actually had somebody say that to me. And that's when, you know, I was able to answer those questions about what I really can and can't do, what my strengths really are. And that was very settling from a mental aspect for me. But I always say that I just wish that I would have been given that ample opportunity as you just pointed out, in Chicago, but I wasn't. So it's one of those things, hindsight, I'm like, you know, the trade actually worked out, and it helped me answer a lot of questions about myself and my career. I mean, I remember it like every night, Purdue, was, you were scoring 11, 13 boards, and I, you know, looking back at the stats here, you, you had a solid first year there, and you had a, and then your second year in San Antonio, you're playing 30 minutes, you're shooting 57% from the field, you're nearly averaging a double-double. Uh, I, I remember I'm like I I'm like I see I told you you give that guy a chance because I always you know what I liked about you Will is that you could dunk it which drove me nuts with with Stacy no no disrespect to our guy because <laughs> well I was I was I mean I could be the first to tell you I was not a finesse player so and I also realized that if I was going to play in this league and Bill Bill Cartwright taught me early as I was picking myself up off the ground numerous times in practice with his elbows and his physicality that you know. That's was that was something I had to had to adapt to. That's something that I had to do a better job at, and it just you know it just took me a little longer to adapt than maybe that uh, the organization or the fans liked. But eventually I did, and you know, like I said, it all it all worked out. Well, Bill was also traded for a guy who drove me nuts because he couldn't dunk it, and that was Charles, who was also had a phenomenal NBA career, by the way. No disrespect to Oak, who was a stud of a human being and a and a physical force, but. Michael would d- d- dump it off to him. Charles missed the layup. Where's Horace would throw it down. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's easier if you can get off the ground. At any rate, we're not talking. Yeah, but that was also, Carm, that was yeah. one of those things. You, at the end of the day, that was a win-win. Oh, for sure. Both teams both teams won that trade. Yeah, and I, I and thought. That's, I, that's what started the championship. You know, regardless of what fans want to say, you know, that changed, that helped change or push the culture that Jerry and Phil were trying to, um, develop that helped by bringing Bill Cartwright here, and I that, remember that was a huge part of that. No, no question. I, I remember watching him uh, the year prior with the Knicks, Will, and he's he's killing the Bulls, 
And I'm thinking to myself, you know, they had him and they had Patrick. I'm like, well, maybe we can trade for Cartwright. I'd, I'd trade Brad Sellers for him. And then, right? <laughs> and, and then they traded Oakley. I'm like, are you out of your mind? You're trading Oakley? And but I, I didn't hate it because you saw Horace coming. Uh, but I didn't, you know. It just seemed at the when they did it, it seemed a little steep. But I, I, I wasn't one of the. You're a completely out of your mind because they were dealing from a strength because they they knew that Horace could step in and do it. But all right, here let's 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 wrap up with uh, this year's model and. All right, we, we, we touched on Lowry. Let, let, what do you – I'll ask you – we can do more uh, down the line here, but, like, what do you think or what are you hoping to see from Wendell, who lunch pail guy, going to be a good teammate, but you're going to need more out of him than just kind of a, you know, rebound and score, I don't know, six to nine points a game. If they're going to get anywhere, I think you got to get more here. Do you think he's capable? What will you be looking for? Well, I agree with you. I, I've, I've made a determination, and I said this last year, you know, when he was healthy and the games that he did play, I said, I think he's a, he's a, he's a solid contributor. He, in this league, he's a 10-10 and 10 guy. And everybody's like, oh, no, no, he's got much more talent than that. And I'm like, well, I haven't seen it yet. And the thing that I'm a little nervous about right now is, if you go back and look at the, the four preseason games, he's a facilitator of the offense. Now, I like that aspect. I like him being the facilitator. But what makes me a little uncomfortable is him being the facilitator at the top of the key behind the three-point line. I think he could be the facilitator of the offense at the free-throw line extended at the elbows to where he is always a threat. Right now in the preseason, he went one of 16 from behind the arc. My understanding is he still has the green light. So sometimes, you know, players are so set on proving something, right? Meaning he's bound and determined to prove that he can shoot that three because, you know, that's what all the bigs do in the league now when just like his first, you know, two years in the league, early in the preseason, they got him down in the post. He made a little spin move, finished with the left hand. I was like, damn, I want to see that more. But I understand to a certain extent what Billy's doing, you know, by putting him at the top of the key as a facilitator. But I would love to see more of a UCLA cut you know, where he comes up to the elbow and sets a screen for Zach, cutting down to the paint and then flaring off to the corner, and then he can square up and maybe dump it down, you know, to somebody running off a screen or do a little more of a dribble weave closer to the basket to where he's a threat so that the opposite big can't just jump down in the paint and just clog up the lane. But maybe in time he will prove it to us. But, you know, kind of a long answer, but at the end of the day, what I hope is I sit back here after, like, the first half of this uh, schedule, which is 37 games for the Bulls, and say, you know what? I was wrong. The guy's got more talent than I think. You know, he can put it on the deck. He can shoot to like 20 feet, maybe not the three, but can shoot to 20 feet. And I will say this, you know, I think he's a good defender. I think sometimes people, you know, uh, maybe in my opinion, he's a little overrated as a defender. But at the end of the day, it's the responsibility of Billy Donovan now and that coaching staff to put Wendell and put Lowry in positions to succeed, meaning, and this is the hard part, Carm, is identify what their strengths are. How do those strengths fit in with, with the, the profile of this team? And what's a good solid rotation where these guys can play well together? And that's still the other thing that we have to determine 
because of the fact of the number of injuries and, you know, so-called COVID-related incidences that, that have prevented guys from playing. I mean, we still have not seen Denzel Valentine. We still have not seen Thaddeus Young. We still, you know, we haven't seen Temple. Uh, Thomas Sadoransky uh, has not played but one game. So it's, it's things have been built diff- difficult for Billy as well in a short period of time. So that's why I feel like even early on in the season, you know, we could see this team playing up and down because it's still kind of in preseason mode with so many things trying to figure out. I think what Bulls fans should be most excited about this year is that you are going to get some clarity on what this roster is. I think we are going to find that out with Billy. Is the talent real or is it a complete sell job, if you will? And look, they just are going to have to take whatever they can get for whoever they don't like and draft well and sign free agents well. Let's 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 end end on well actually a completely off the off the beaten path. I got a I got a trade proposal for you. Zach Levine, Wendell Carter, and to make the money work, Thomas Sadoransky and a draft pick for James Harden. You doing it? Ooh, yeah. Ooh. So wait a minute. Sadoransky. Sadoransky's got to be. We need his money. I'm building the trade around Zach. And honestly, you can take, I don't care who it is, Wendell or Lowry, you can take your pick. And they're going to Houston along with the draft pick, and you're getting Harden. Wendell, Lowry, and not, no, because now you throw Otto Porter in that and maybe change the personnel, but I think that's. All right. How about this? Zach Porter, your draft pick this year. Um, that's would well, you do I that? Tell you, but I think that draft pick could possibly be another. You know, yeah, definitely going to be a lottery pick, and it could be a top five or six pick. I'm not making that deal. This, if I, this, this draft pick, this 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 draft this year is supposed to be loaded, so I still think you're giving up too much. Because here's the thing, I'm not valuing. I'm not trying to value what the Bulls are giving up too much. But I'm just I I love. I mean, listen, James Harden's going to go down as one of the best scorers in NBA history. Not not necessarily best players, but best scorers. Because he's almost, quite honestly, unstoppable. He can get to the free throw line 15, 16, sometimes 20 times a night. He can score in anybody. He's got unbelievable range. He can get to the rim. But what my question is, is he's now getting older. Is he really going to get any better? And what exactly has he won? And, and by that, I mean, what is he going to do when he gets to Chicago? How does he necessarily make them bigger in the big picture? He makes them relevant. He makes them in the middle of the pack. He makes them entertaining to watch. You're right. You're not uh, – you can't do Porter and Levine, by the way. I'm playing around with it on the trade machine here. Otto makes too much money, so now – so, I, so I, I'd have to – I'd have to. But throw. I also – listen, and here's the other thing. Relevancy doesn't matter for this organization, in my opinion, because there are certain organizations, obviously the Miami Heat, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Boston Celtics, the Chicago Bulls, teams that have won numerous championships. You can't just be happy with being relevant in a middle-of-the-road playoff team. I just, I just, To me, that's not acceptable for this organization. 
So I think there always needs to be a plan in place to where you're trying to not only, yes, you're trying to become relevant, but at the same time, you're trying to get significantly better so that you become a contender, not a pretender. And I don't expect that to happen overnight, but I just don't think that that by bringing Harden in, you change anything. I don't – okay, I, and, and I'm going low bar here just because I just want to be entertained at this point. But by the way, <laughs> uh, I've got Levine, Young, and Felicio, the money works, to uh, Houston, and we get Harden. Um, and that's – that I, money... would, I would do that. You're saying yeah, Zach but Levine, Thaddeus, Thaddeus Young, Young, and Felicio. And if I was the Houston Rockets, I would laugh in their face. Are you kidding? Well, of course you would because they're, they're – you know, I mean, that's – you you definitely have to throw in the first round draft pick as well, but then here's the other thing: you never know. I guarantee you. I don't. Well, let me let me back up. I don't want to guarantee this, but the, the other 29 teams and the other 28 teams, along with the Bulls, know that that now with his, by his actions, and you constantly more stuff is getting out into the media. He's he wants out of Houston. Yeah. So you owe it to your organization and. To, to at least make a phone call. That's what I'm saying. To find out what it would cost to get him. And I, I'm on Twitter here, Will's talking about it. No way I'd want Harden. No way you'd want Harden. Hold on a second. Guy, for, and, yes, he hasn't won anything. But if Chris Paul doesn't blow out his hamstring, they probably beat Golden State. They're up 3-2 in that series. I mean, the dude's a phenomenal player. Now, he plays kind of an annoying brand of basketball. I get it. Dribble, 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 dribble. It's annoying. But he's really, really, really good at what he does. So let's let's and I I get it. He likes well, that's again like that's, well, this, now our conversation has gone full circle because what is he? He's a guy that can carry a team on his back for a quarter and quite possibly a half. Right, right. But uh, that being said, when if he had when he's had some of his most epic failures in games where they've needed him to step up, game sevens, game sixes, elimination games, and he has not answered the bell. All right, you got to go, but I just got to tell you that in this scenario that I – and I maybe ESPN trade machine is broke today, but it says the Bulls are better by 25 wins with this trade, and it says the Rockets are better by 18 wins. So what I'm seeing is a win-win here. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if, if, if our tourists and Mark need me to get on the horn here and get this done, I'm happy to do it because win-win. Like you said, I would, I would do that trade in a heartbeat because of, you know, you're getting rid of uh, – you know, especially because you're, you know, you're getting rid of Felicio and that salary. Yeah. I mean, this is addition by subtraction. And, Zach, you're a really good player, and you've got a lot of want, and you don't cause the problems uh, that Harden causes at times. Uh, so, and we'll give you the number one draft pick. Maybe you turn that into something. All right. Hey, Will, but you're then, You know what else that gives him? That still gives him flexibility with the incoming free agent class. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's not terrible. And you get, a, you get rid of a disgruntled guy. Uh, and you and you get a young all-star guard. What? Who has better offers out there? Let's hear. Let's see what they are. I, I guess if 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 Philly's willing to give up Ben Simmons, I suppose that's better. But I don't love Ben Simmons. I'll be honest. So I I, I take him over Zach. I guess. But that's not a huge disparity, in, at least in my mind. Yeah, but then Nike, you're talking about now. You're talking about putting two ball dominant players in John Wall and Ben Simmons in the lineup together, but then that doesn't really change because you have two ball-dominant players in Harden and, and Wall now. So, but, I'll, but, but, you know, the one thing is Ben Simmons is not a prolific scorer like Harden is. It's just 
at the end of the day, you wonder at what point is Houston is just going to say, all right, put it out there. We're taking the best offer. We're done with this. And by the way, if we want people interested in Bulls basketball around here, James Harden would help. But that's not why you how you run your organization. I get it. But from a media standpoint, give me James Harden. <laughs> uh, so now you just you've just exposed your selfish intent. Yes, yes, I'm out there. This is not. Uh, I, I'm not getting paid GM money. I'm getting. I'm trying to entertain over here, and and Harden would be entertaining. <laughs> Hey, hey, Will, you're awesome. Can't wait to watch you on NBC Sports Chicago. Look forward to talking uh, down the line as well, of course, and uh, appreciate you making time today. Let, let's see if they can get uh, – let's see if they can surprise us. We'll see what they do on opening night. I hope so. I handed back off to him off the little screen. Uh, Chuck and David went with the ball, and – it was kind of a natural reaction when you're open. You run to the front of the rim as a big guy, and, and Scotty was able to find him. I mean, I had no idea how much time was on the clock. This program was recorded on tape for a live audience. See in the shot clock. Wire to Sally, blocked by Purdue. Vinnie Johnson has it blocked again by Purdue, and Sally is hit hard in the head and goes down. Let's not get it wrong. He was an He was a jerk. He crossed the line numerous times. But as time goes on and you think back about what he was actually trying to accomplish, you're like, yeah, he was a hell of a teammate. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.